Welcome to Birth Story Friday of the Mama Say Fit Podcast. Every Friday, we will be sharing a birth story from one of our followers so that you can learn and prepare for your own birth. Welcome to the Mama Say Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Say Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. In today's episode, one of our followers will be sharing her birth story. She found out that her baby was breech, had a successful ECV, went into spontaneous labor, and then had a cesarean birth. So she'll be sharing her journey through the end of her pregnancy, kind of the decisions that she was making towards the end to figure out what to do with her baby being in a breech position, how it was to labor, and then ultimately deciding to have a cesarean birth. So in Jordan's birth story, she discusses how she only had really two options. One was either going to be her baby was going to go head down or she was going to have a scheduled cesarean. And so she explored a lot of different routes to try to encourage her baby to go head down. One of them, which was an ECV. So Roxanne, could you explain what an ECV is? So an ECV is an external cephalic version where they're going to try to turn baby from head up to head down from the outside. Your provider may do this in different ways because every provider has their own preferences. They may use pain medication where they're going to numb you so that they have a a little bit more room to kind of do the ECV because it can be quite uncomfortable, especially if you find yourself tensing in your abs during the procedure because it is uncomfortable. By doing the spinal or epidural pain management, that kind of decreases the likelihood of that happening. But not everybody wants to use pain management. So sometimes they won't use anything or they'll just offer IV pain relief. Some providers will use a medication to help relax your uterus as well to, again, make it less likely that there's going to be something kind of providing tension while they're trying to turn baby. Every provider also has a different success rate. So kind of asking like how often do they do ECVs and how likely has it been that they've been able to turn those babies from head up to head down and then those babies stay there. And then asking them the risks and benefits of all of these because with everything in life, there are risks and benefits that I could go on and list all of them, but your provider would be able to list them better. With an ECV, there are some situations where you may not be able to have an ECV. It can depend on the amount of amniotic fluid that's in your uterus and then also the placement of your placenta. If your placenta is anterior or to the front, some providers will not do an ECV because it increases that risk that they can cause the placenta to detach from the uterus, which is not preferred. And then this can lead to an emergency C-section during the procedure. Some providers may not do it. If you've had a C-section prior and then this pregnancy, your baby is breached and you're trying for a VBAC, they may not do an ECV with your pregnancy because of that uterine scar. Potentially, there may be some risks involved. So in addition to an ECV, you can also do some like at-home methods, which are a lot of things that Jordan tried. She pretty much tried everything that you could. One of the things that may contribute towards a breech positioning is tension within like the uterine ligaments or the space that baby is in. 
And so kind of the point behind a lot of these like at-home methods is to release tension. And so doing inversions where your head is below your hips can help to release the lower uterine ligaments that may be twisted, which could create some more space in the bottom of the uterus for your baby to then rotate head down. You can see a Webster certified chiropractor, which is again gonna focus on balancing the pelvis, balancing the uterine ligaments and the surrounding structures, which again could help baby move into a head down position. This could also include prenatal massage. And Jordan talks about using moxibustion, acupuncture, using light and music. And so she really tries it all to encourage her baby to move down to a head down position. But unfortunately those methods didn't work and she did need to do an ECV, which was successful. And so exploring other things before you make it to an ECV or even after an ECV can be helpful as well. And she kind of shares all of the things that she did. And so with all of these at-home methods, they are not going to manually turn or flip your baby. They are just creating the space for baby to move into a head down position. But do know that breech is just a variation of normal. Some babies want to be born breech and having as many options as possible is gonna help you navigate your birth experience. So let's go ahead and listen to Jordan's birth story. Let's take a quick break to share about our birth story sponsor, Balbay. Balbay is a perinatal company that intentionally designs support wear for your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Balbay was founded by a physical therapist and creates support bands, support leggings, bralettes, and other clothing items to support your entire perinatal journey. If you had a cesarean birth, Balbay can support your healing. The bloomers are like a hug and hammock for healing bodies. Support bloomers offer unique core support to alleviate postpartum and incisional discomfort. The eight-way stretch allows you to feel held together while still allowing full movement and room to breathe. The Balbay bloomers offer a truly unique core support that resists stress and strain horizontally across the abdomen. This is key to supporting abdominal separation, abdominal splinting, and incisional healing. Additionally, the bloomers also offer pelvic floor support with a hammock of their custom pro fabric. It's the ideal undergarment for your C-section. There are no seams to aggravate the C-section incision and the fabric has the perfect touch of softness. The bloomers were highly recommended to us by Casey Backus, our physical therapist and yoga teacher who has had two C-sections herself. Balbay is one of our favorite maternity and postpartum support wear brands. We are so grateful that they have sponsored our birth story podcast episodes so you can hear real birth stories to learn from as you prepare for your own birth. Head to balbaybody.com and use code MAMASAYFIT for 15% off your order. Thank you, Balbay, for supporting us throughout our motherhood journey. Thank you, Jordan, for being here. We have Jordan here that's going to share about how her baby was breached. She opted for an ECV, went into natural labor, and then did end up with a C-section. But we're we're still really excited to hear Jordan share her pregnancy, how she navigated finding out that her baby was breached, all the research she did, and then listening to her birth story. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. So tell us your story. How was your pregnancy? And then what did you do when you found out that your baby was breached? Yeah, so my pregnancy was lovely. I am super fortunate. My body, I guess, handles pregnancy super well. I was a little lethargic in the beginning, had very, very minor morning sickness, but otherwise I was still loving life, traveling and doing all the fun things just with the bump. It was great. We found out around the 30-week mark that my baby was breech, and at the time I didn't even really know what breech was. I just was concerned, is my baby healthy and how am I feeling? And then the, the doctor said, your baby is head up. 
And I was like, cool. (laughs) So then they started to explain why that was a little concerning, especially since my birth wishes were to have a vaginal delivery. So my provider basically told me my options were to go through the process of an ECV or we needed to go ahead and start thinking of C-section. Both of those sounded scary. So I remember clearly in the office at that moment, I asked the doctor, are there any other options that you recommend? And I remember her, she said, everything else, there's no science. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you can try to do all the things, but there's no science in anything else. So that didn't really sit well with me. So I still went on my little Google search and started to branch out and talk to my doula that I had hired on what my other options were and so forth. So to go down the line, I did do many of the spinning baby techniques with forward-leaning inversions and stretching. My husband went out and bought an inversion table, so we hung upside down for many nights. I did see a chiropractor using the Webster methods, and that's where I ended up finding the Mama Stay Fit location, which was super exciting. I also did acupuncture, I swam, I used music and light therapy, I did prenatal massage, and my baby was adamant she was going to stay upright. So then we started to entertain the idea of ECV. Now the ECV, I remember they told me that if it didn't go as planned, that my baby would be delivered via C-section that day. And I went in for my ECV at around 37 weeks towards the end. So it was almost 38 weeks. Now, with that being said, the doctor who did my ECV, my provider told me he was the ECV god. He had a nearly 100% success rate. There was only one baby he could not turn. So we were feeling very confident there. So... If you are leaning towards an ECV, definitely make sure you have a doctor that has a very high success rate because it doesn't necessarily happen successful with everyone. I do remember I waited in the hospital for many, many hours. I think my appointment was like at 11 a.m. and I wasn't seen until 3 a.m., which was horrible because they tell you you can't eat. So I went an entire day, 37 weeks pregnant with no food. It was awful, but... My doctor, he was lovely. The nurse that was there with me, she was lovely too. I remember we had lots of conversations. She was like four months postpartum when I went into my ECV. Super, super sweet. Definitely calmed me down and just was like, have grace after your baby comes. Just, it'll be great. Your baby's going to be great. You're going to be in so much love. And so she was awesome. But for the ECV, I know they rub like an oil on your belly. They monitor both you. They monitor the baby, make sure both you and baby are staying healthy. They do the ultrasound too to make sure baby is, they know exactly the position of the baby. And they just apply the manual pressure and they turn your baby around until hopefully baby stays. Now they will keep you 30 minutes to an hour after your ECV is performed to make sure your baby stays head down. So I was already very hungry to begin with. And then I was like, all right, we're done. I want to leave. I want to get some food. So we still had to stay there. And thankfully, after the ECV, up until my due date, my baby stayed down. So I was very thankful for that. 
so yeah, that's kind of how the ECV went. Do you think that any of the preparation you did helped make your ECV more successful or easier? Did you have any sort of pain relief during it or were you unmedicated during the ECV? So they did give me some pain medicine. I don't remember what it was, but I think it's standard that they they give you that pain meds during it. I do remember immediately after I got the shakes pretty bad, and I think that was coming off of those pain meds. I mean, yeah, I went all the way through the ECV, and I'm glad I still did the list of things that I did because... I knew I did everything that I could to try to get my baby to turn. And then this was kind of my next step. So if I hadn't have done all those things in the back of my mind, I would have always, you know, thought, what if I had just done the spinning babies technique? Or, you know, what if I did that acupuncture? Because I had never done acupuncture before. And acupuncture to try to get your baby to turn is not relaxing. So just beware if you are going to go in for acupuncture to try to flip your baby. And it's not painful in this sense, but it's not like the most relaxing thing you'll experience. You know, they are trying to get your baby to move. (laughs) But with that being said, it wasn't at all painful. It's just, you know, it's not a spa day. Yeah. So I'm still glad I did all the things. Tell us your birth story. So baby stayed head down and then you went into spontaneous labor. Tell us the story. So I guess in my family, we have a history of coming on due dates. I was a due date baby. My mother was a due date baby. Throughout my whole pregnancy, I had just had in my head, my baby is going to come early. So I had even started my maternity leave weeks early. And I'm like, this baby's coming. I know. No. She waited actually until the day before. So my due date was September 10th. My or my body started into labor the early morning of September 9th. And I loved actually the beginning part. I knew exactly what my body was doing. I felt confident. This was my first baby, but I still was very excited because my body was doing its thing. So we did lots of walking. I rested. I ate lots of food. And then about 24 hours at home, my contractions were starting to time to the point where I looked at my husband and I'm like, it's, it's now time. We need to get in the car and go to the hospital or this baby is going to come right here in our home. And at that point it was midnight. So of course it wasn't the best time to be driving to the hospital, but that's just how my baby decided to, to come. So we get to the hospital and I am in full labor, like not even really coherent of really what's going on. But I still remember, no, actually, I didn't walk. I wanted to walk into the hospital and I made it through the door and then I fell and I could not get back up. So they put me in the wheelchair and they they wheeled me in, but I wanted to at least walk into the hospital. I walked. Yes, ma'am. So I made it there. And then hospitals, I will say, they intimidate me on a good day. I really wanted to tour my hospital before, or at least the delivery portion before I had my baby, but they were still under COVID restrictions-ish, so we weren't able to tour. So I, in that environment, it was new to me, so I could feel as soon as I got there, my body started to just shut down. It didn't feel like things were progressing like they were at home. At home, I was calm. I felt you know, confident. I felt empowered. It's like, we're going to have this baby. And then things started to get weird when I went into the hospital. They did measure my cervix when I went in. 
And she said I was seven centimeters when I walked in. So I was super excited because my biggest fear was going to be turned around because at that time, I didn't even know my water had broken. My water was, it was pierced. I had a very, very slow trickle and I'll elaborate more on that later. So I labored for probably another five, six more hours in the hospital. I was maybe up to eight centimeters. It's just my body wasn't progressing the way that they had all hyped me up to be, how I felt like it should be. So I did go for a round of my first pain meds. So they started me on the fentanyl. I think that's the what they used. They started me on fentanyl. That helped. Not really. <laughs> kind of. Yes, like a tic-tac. <laughs> like a tic-tac. It didn't have the effect that I was thinking it would. So I remember I started to, in my gut, I was like, man, I feel like a druggie because I kept asking for more. And that was not my plan. So I was feeling a little bummed about that, but I was like, you know what? It's fine. I want some more. At the time, my provider, he said no. And when I first went in, he had kind of talked me down on an epidural because he said, if I want the epidural, I need to get it now because it takes a long time for the effect to come in. That wasn't my plan. So after hours of hours of, of labor and it had stalled, I was in tears and I was feeling like I was giving up. So I went for the epidural. Man, that thing kicked in in like 10 minutes. Not even that. I felt it almost immediately. So I had the epidural and then I could feel everything slowed down. I kind of took a nap. We're now in the hospital probably 12 hours later. I was able to rest. My doula was there, you know, make sure everything was still going to plan. And at that time, my doula was awesome for my husband of like really explaining things while I took a nap and we were watching my contractions. They started me on Pitocin as well. And my contractions, they said were textbook, they were beautiful, but baby just was not moving. Something, I was starting to feel like something was wrong. Even though everything on the screens, my baby's heart rate was great, seemed fine, but in my gut, I'm like, why isn't my baby moving? So hours and hours of that later, with the nurses watching me, I was weak. I kept asking, can I please eat? They didn't even want me to have Gatorade or broth or any liquids other than ice. Like I said, my body was giving up. It was almost 48 hours later. So we ended with the decision to get my baby out via C-section. And at the time, it was pretty defeating. I was super bummed. My husband had just watched me go through all of this to end in the one thing I didn't want. So in that moment, that was very hard. I remember when they wheeled me into the operating room, the doctor looked me in the eye and said, you do not belong on my table. And (laughs) that's how my C-section kind of started. So it was very emotional. But again, I have this beautiful, healthy baby. So it helped. But early postpartum was very, very rough because of that. So I know this is a podcast on ECV. My ECV was successful. So at the end of the day, the ECV did exactly what it should. Just in the delivery, my baby, they said, was stuck in my pelvis. And that's why I couldn't get past eight centimeters dilated because she just wasn't moving. But they got her out and she's here and we love her and she's she's hilarious. What were some things that you found really positive about the end of your pregnancy and your birth? And then what were some things you wish you could have changed? Yeah, so I will say the nurses that worked with us 
were amazing. Starting with the nurse that that was with us for the ECV, she just was there to, you know, make us more at ease with it, answer questions, make us feel like we were in good hands. Even the entire staff that we had for my delivery, they were all amazing. My doula was awesome. She was very calm natured and she was not only a great support for me, but also my husband just maintaining like, you know, the calm and peace. Of course, my birth partner, he he made everything <laughs> much much better, you know, kind of like my biggest support to making me feel like I'm making the best decisions for in in that moment. As far as what I wish different, I don't, I did everything I could. Looking back, we tried it all. So I can rest easy at night saying the decisions that were made were the ones that were needed. But yeah, we did everything we could. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we tried. And for your birth story, it's definitely okay for conflicting emotions to coexist. Like we can both grieve the birth experience that we were planning and hoping for and be simultaneously like super excited that our baby is here, happy and healthy. So I hope that your healing journey has been really good for you since your birth and that you're in a place of peace with your story as well. If someone came to you and they said, hey, I'm 30 weeks and my baby's breached, like, what do you recommend? Like, what piece of advice would you give to yourself or to somebody who was in the same situation as you? And in both your finding out your baby's breach, and then also, like, if you're laboring and things kind of stall, like, what would you tell yourself in that moment looking back on it now? So my first advice, if you find out your baby is breech. I know it's hard to do, but don't stress about it. <laughs> I know, right? It's kind of uh, <laughs> it's kind of a big thing, but I mean that in the most genuine way possible because your baby's going to be breech if you want them to be or not. You can again do all the stretches and that works for many people. My baby just wasn't turning. I also thought, like, what if I hadn't have done the ECV and waited until the 40 weeks? I know babies can also turn in the middle of labor, but my biggest goal was to avoid the C-section. My husband and I, we chose the ECV to at least give my baby a chance, and it worked. Um, so we were we were super thankful for that. But again, don't stress about it because some things really are out of control or out of our control. There's nothing you have done to cause your baby to be breech. It's just one of those natural phenomena. So again, don't stress about it, but reach out to other mamas. See, you know, how were their babies? What did they do? What worked? What didn't work? Yeah, so that's my biggest advice. Relax. Don't stress because it's not going to do any favors for you or the baby. And then, like I said, do your research, see see what options are in your area. I was thankful I had a Webster certified chiropractor in our localized area. I, I do think that helped. I really did feel like some tension in my hips relaxed after a couple appointments to the chiropractor. In the end, flipped my baby? No, but it did it make me feel better. Yeah, it did. And then for someone that is in the middle of their labor and they have a stall and trying to make the decision on whether or not they should have a cesarean birth, what would your piece of advice be to that person or even to yourself in that same moment? Again, I'm going to go back to say relax. You can try different positions. For me, they just weren't working. 
there's nothing that you are doing that is causing that. Again, some of those phenomena are just happen. And I was super thankful that I was already in the hospital at the moment and I didn't have to get into a vehicle of some sort to rush to the hospital at the end and have to go into more of a true emergency C-section situation. But for me, my baby just wasn't moving. So having those resources at that time, it did make me feel better because the only thing that I feel like could have gone worse is my baby starting to become in distress. And that's what I didn't want happen. So yeah, just take a deep breath and make sure you've got good options around you. Did you have any sort of plan for a cesarean birth ahead of time or was it just kind of making the decisions as you went? Yeah, I was very adamant I was not having a C-section, so I was very poor at planning a (laughs) C-section. We were not prepared for that at all. I didn't know anything about healing and recovering after a C-section, so everything that we did was just trial by error, probably not the best thing to do. My advice in that situation, even if you were adamant of not having a C-section, still do your research on at least the healing part from a C-section because it can happen to anybody and it certainly happened to us. (laughs) So the first two weeks were extremely rough. Thank you so much, Jordan, for sharing your birth story and the end of your pregnancy when you found out that your baby was breached and all these really helpful tips for people that are listening to this story and writing down notes on things that they can do to hopefully turn their baby's head down if that's their desire. And so thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me because I think this is important for other mamas to talk about their ECV because at the time I didn't know anyone else who had done an ECV, so I was kind of just traveling through uncharted territories. So I'm super thankful that you guys are you know, doing a podcast for other mamas to listen to. So I'm hoping if there's another mama that is in my situation that I was in, maybe can feel a little better about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here with us today. (laughs) Thank you. So if you find that your baby is breech, explore the options that you feel most comfortable with. You may want to do every option and you may only want to do one or two options. If you have questions on those options, ask your providers, especially if it's an option that they provide, such as that ECV or vaginal breech birth or C-section. Ask for referrals if needed. So if your provider doesn't do ECVs or doesn't do vaginal breach delivery, ask for a referral to another doctor that may potentially do it in your area. And if you find that you need a C-section during your birth or prior to your birth, know that it is a valid way to give birth. Regardless of your baby's position or your birth preferences, consider how you would want your C-section birth to go prior to labor. What are the things that are really important to you that you could still include in your birth regardless of how baby is born, such as skin to skin, delayed cord clamping, baby medications, all of those things that you have a say in? Then take the time to discuss all of those options with your provider again ahead of time, so during prenatal visits. Making a C-section birth plan is something that we advocate for and kind of push because even if that's not your plan, you should still research those options and learn those options that are available to you just in case it does happen. We have a free birth planning template and break down birth planning in our childbirth education courses if you want to learn more. We are grateful that we have had so many share their birth stories with us. And if you would like to share your birth story with us, head to mamastayfit.com slash podcast and fill out the form. 
Thanks for joining us today and listening to this episode. If you want more support throughout your pregnancy, join our prenatal fitness programs and childbirth education courses. If you need more support after birth, join our postpartum fitness programs and education courses. If you're a professional, we offer birth worker and fitness trainer courses so you can learn from us and earn CEUs. Explore all of our courses on our website at mamastayfit.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow our podcast to be notified when we release new episodes. Leave a review, share with your friends, tell everyone you know. We will be releasing new birth stories every Friday in our normal podcast episodes on Wednesdays. The Mama Stay Fit Podcast Birth Story Friday episodes are sponsored by Balbane, a perinatal clothing company that supports your pregnancy, birth, and beyond with their expertly curated support wear garments. Use code MAMASTAYFIT for 15% off your order.